bedroom recordings on the the old Sublime records. Like you know the song Bad Fish? Yeah. Um where it's like the the basis of almost every song just sounds like her in a in a sort of poorly acoustically handled room with an acoustic guitar. And I think one of the things both of us have enjoyed so much about Mitski is her propensity for and ability to build these sort of lush soundscapes, um, you know, almost in like a cigarosi sort of way that she then has this beautiful sort of cinematic voice on top of. And, and that's what makes has made her most interesting. Does that is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah. Right. I always so, felt like her music had an edge that went along with sort of the, uh, you know, the pretty voice, the yes. pretty floating voice. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I completely agree with that. Almost everything you said, except I had a very strange experience with this album. Um, and I don't know if it's just about where I'm at in my life or uh, becoming a more mature listener. Uh but on, I would say, my third listen, I just sort of started reading the lyrics and listening more closely to the lyrics. Um, and first of all, like, some of this album is frighteningly dark. And look, I don't usually care about lyrics at all, and I, I, I don't... I don't know what made me moderately intrigued, but lyrically speaking, this is a very interesting album that I think struck a real chord with me in a variety of ways. Um, some of it, the really dark stuff, others of it, the sort of breaths of, of light and fresh air that come throughout it. So like, this is not an album I would normally like. And my first couple listens, I was feeling exactly the same things that you described um but i guess what i'm saying is if you are a, a lyrical person that likes to sit in some melancholy uh and then kind of have it relieved at times by the actual lyrical content of the album this is a pretty fascinating album uh, it does make me wonder if mitski's doing great i hope she's okay uh there's some dark stuff here but some of it is stuff that i can really identify with uh myself so i i get it i don't, I don't know i i'm in an interesting position because i have now listened to this like 10 times and i find it pretty compelling but i cannot necessarily argue with any of the musical criticisms that you levied yeah, I, look, I can't argue with what you've just said because uh, I would just describe myself as the kind of person that enjoys those things. And I just never was just so turned off by what it was doing sonically um, that um, I, I just never connected with it on that lyrical yeah. level. I mean, I know? think that's fair. And I don't know, again, I don't know what exactly made me connect with it in that way this time. Um because I don't usually do that, but I do think it sort of it has a little more to it sonically when you dig into it over and over again. Like I think almost any album from a decent musician has. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I agreed with you about the like. I actually was like, man, this sounds like she, she did it on a four track. Um, but there's like a seventeen person choir, <laughs> like, right. like all through this record. You know what I mean? Yes. So, um, it's uh. But you know, it is, but it is delivered in there that maybe I'm not picking up on. I, no, I think certainly there is, but but you're also right that it is delivered primarily in this fashion and and formulation that evokes a four track recording. You know what I'm saying? Like this was clearly thought through to great detail, musically speaking. But the the product of that consideration is something that sounds very specific. Uh, yeah. So it's a it's a weird one. It's a weird one. And I almost wish she'd release another album um, to somehow like ca counter uh, counterbalance it because it, <laughs> it does feel very specific and almost like it needs another bombastic side. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, 
it's funny, you know, not to bring up the national again because I do feel like while the national do definitely have a formula, um, that they've actually been refining that formula. Like the national to me are uh, actually improving right now, which is I think a very weird thing to say about a band that's been around for twenty something years, right? Um, and, all right, it, like if you're trying to convince me to listen to the national album, I'll I do it. I'll do it because <laughs> they're threaten me with a good time, <laughs> and I don't know that you'll feel any differently about it. Um, well, it might but be interesting. Is... I mean, that might be an interesting experiment for next week. I got plenty of time to listen to music. Okay, um, if you want to continue this playlist too, that kind of. Is highlights of both of them. Well, I don't need um, that because I actually I've been enjoying my deep dive into the Mitski album, so I'll stick with uh, separating the two. But I like listen. I'm not. I am not opposed to the idea that my taste has evolved to a point where I can appreciate the national uh, more completely. Well, you are a dad now, so I'm a dad. <laughs> I would um, big dad, big time dad. I would add there's two some context here too, like at least for me that this is, you know, kind of like her post breakthrough record, and so maybe right. my expectation meter was dialed up pretty high. And in some ways, to me, this record seems like a uh, a, a deliberate dialing down of those ex- expectations. I don't know. Um, you know, but I, I I do think that that yeah. does sort of matter in. You know, well, I think it, it certainly matters in your reception. I don't yeah. know. Look, I have no idea what Miski's intentions are. Right, <laughs> I'm not going to pretend like I uh, talk to Mitski or anything. But I think rarely is that the case. Like. Very rarely does an artist consciously do that. What you're talking like down, down, downshift to make a point about yeah, expectations probably, or what have that's you. Maybe but, that's me being a '90s baby. Yeah, uh, yeah, maybe <laughs> that was a thing in the early to mid '90s, I guess. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was like a, it was like a, oh, that's what you think. Well, fuck you. I'll show I'll show you what I'm gonna do. That's right. <laughs> uh, but I don't know that I don't know how many. People are are doing that now. You never know, but uh, I don't think it's that. I do think it's a deliberately melancholy and and specific album. Like, there's no questioning that the the what you were describing as sameness is a decision. Yes, I agree. I will also say because uh, I did dig in for the sameness. Eleven tracks, thirty two minutes. Yeah, you'd it, appreciate that. <laughs> It's very digestible, this record. Yes. Yeah. No, it's not a lot of your day. And I think that's why I ended up listening to it so many times when I sort of locked in. Um, but she is undeniably a one of the fascinating artists working right now. Yeah. Like she's just... And I think, you know, that, like you said, plays into your reception of this, which you just sort of had different and higher expectations i do think it's kind of wild that she is as popular as she is at this point um yeah because like i was what were we watching or maybe it was a preview of something god it was somebody someone was criticizing an artist and i can't remember if it was i have no idea what this is from but somebody was saying like your songs have no fucking choruses (laughs) right which is a legitimate criticism. Uh, well, it's a legitimate thing to say about Mitski. Uh, and, you know, it doesn't bother me at all, but it usually does not lead to pop success. <laughs> no, no, it does not normally. It does not normally do that. Like she is, she is generally speaking melancholy and chorusless and yet quite popular, which is, uh, it's the sort of thing that gives me hope for the world, you know? Yeah, yeah, all in her own terms. So, uh, credit to her, credit to her for that. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about sex education? I do. Which uh, had some some lovely tunes. Uh, Man, Ezra Furman. You know, he went to my high school. I did not know that. No. But he is like the uh, sort of unofficial rock and roll soundtrack of Sex Education over its four seasons. There's at least one song in most of the episodes. Uh, oh, that's cool. Yeah, he he rocks, man. He's a and he's a fascinating 
uh, I actually think I should not be saying he now that I'm talking oh. this out loud. Uh, he was a he at <laughs> when he was in high school with my sister, but uh, I believe he might. I believe it's <laughs> they. I believe I should be saying they. Uh, he is. Or they are fascinating. Uh, yeah. Uh, sort of debuted as Ezra and the Harpoons um, and as they came out and sort of, you know, changed uh, some of the, the stylistically what they were doing went out on their own and, and just a fascinating, definitely like fucking rocks like they fucking oh no wait she oh we're going to she okay uh she or they anyway um from wikipedia she came out as a train transgender woman in late april 2021 prior to that she identified as gender queer i think uh, that's an interesting segue actually sort of into this season because uh, there's yes. uh you know, I mean, I, look, I, th I think the show's always been interested in all the variations of, of sexuality that are, uh, are present in our modern world. I mean, it's a very modern and contemporary show in, in that way. But Certainly. I think they, and I, yeah. that's part of why Ezra was chosen undoubtedly to be like, you know, the official rock soundtrack that I don't I, I don't think there's any question. This show has been incredibly conscious of and and gone out of its way to validate sexual identities across the spectrum from the very beginning, which I think is one of the things I've loved about it. Yeah, but I feel like this season they're really jumping in with uh, uh, more of the gender non-binary yes. um, plots and even, right, even the straight kids, like, you know, if I like a finger up my bum, what does that mean? Kind of, you know. Um, yeah, and I think and it's... Sort of adjacent, you know, stuff as well. You right. Know? You never know how conscious it is in terms of a res being a response to the world around it. But my guess is that, you know, this is a show whose creators and writers see the world turning on the trans community in a dangerous way and want to create a thing that is an opposing force to that, you know? Yeah, I mean, this college that they've uh, set up here. It's a utopia. It's, yeah. <laughs> like, it's a utopia, uh, I think, in the show and for us. And I would imagine a nightmare for a certain, uh, you know, segment of the American population, right? You know right. what I mean? Right. Um, right. But it, it, is yeah. it is a woke utopia, to use uh, the, the now yeah. – uh, captured nomenclature it's uh, this and college is a thing that people are terrified of there are people who are terrified of exactly this i think you know what i mean right right and and you know this ought to serve to those people as a sign that there's nothing to be afraid of but of course it won't um they will never watch it that being said i thoroughly enjoy it and it's a way for them to keep the show fresh and make it different in its fourth and final season. And I, I have a lot of respect for that because what they've essentially done is they've taken this group or at least, you know, a, a, a sampling of them that were the progressive people at their stodgy old garbage school and made them the, sort of trailing behind they're the square ones yeah the squares <laughs> at their new school uh, yeah. and, and it's a kind of a hilarious twist on what this show has been for the last few years and it's also obviously how many episodes did you watch uh two only watched yeah, two. me too um it did just come out last night so we 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 watched as much as we could it uh it is obviously going to lead to interesting drama in the relationships that we already know and love on the show right uh we're already starting to see that and i just want to shout out since again this is the last season of the show it may 
maybe this is the last time we talk about it here. Although who knows, maybe when we finish it in a couple weeks, we'll come back. Um, Asa Butterfield, Nkuti Gatwa, the two leads, uh, Emma Mackey, uh, who is phenomenal as, uh, as Maeve and, and hilariously played a Barbie opposite Margot Robbie, who she looks wildly like, like to the point where for part of the Barbie movie, I was thinking Margot Robbie was playing two different Barbies, um, which Barbie was she? That totally went right past me. Yeah, she's in there. Well, like half of the cast of Sex Education was in Barbie. I noticed other people from Sex Education in the movie and somehow missed her. That's, that's wild. Yeah, no, she's she yeah. was one of the like three or four main Barbies. Uh, Gillian Anderson, Amy Lou Wood, who plays, I believe it's Amy on the show. Uh, yeah. And... Uh, I didn't write his name down, but the kid who plays um, Adam as well, who was also in Barbie. Uh, yes. Just the acting on this show is spectacular. All the characters are so well-defined, and that extends to the supporting characters. Again, I didn't write the actress's name down, but Ruby is such a well-defined and funny and hilarious character jackson all of these yeah, it seems like they're gonna give her a lot more to do this season by the way yes she seems to have sort of graduated to a bigger role viv all of these kids are doing such great work um and the adults are excellent too although i will say like of the sort of cast changes based on the move to the new school i'm really going to miss the music teacher yeah although i would say i i, I think some of the uh season four characters are interesting and Definitely. um at the very end, I'm wondering, you know, I'm uh, already wondering how this election is going to backfire. Um, yeah, because <laughs> clearly it will. <laughs> you get a little hint of it at the end of the second episode uh, where uh, the woman that uh, or the uh, girl, I guess. I, what would you call her? Young lady? Know, the young lady. <laughs> oh, oh, we'll call her O. That Otis is competing against. Oh, right. Her name's O. Yeah. Uh Drops a campaign music video that is just out of the just knocked it out of the park, <laughs> like rapping in a Scottish accent. And the most it, unbelievable, yeah, like this is this is dog shit, but would have would have like made so much hay in high school video, like just so perfectly done. Yeah. With like ace choreography. Oh know? my god! Oh my god! Like clearly the best a high schooler could hope to accomplish, but also from an adult perspective, absurd and stupid. It was so perfect. I I love that so much. Yeah, me too. I was like, oh, all right. This show's got some things up she, their sleeve. It was like a, she did like a rap. Oh my god! It was so good. It was so good. That actress is excellent as well. Like everybody, everybody's putting in such good work. The, the storylines are so clever, and even though the sort of fundamental formula, which is, like, Otis messes his life up, Eric laughs, like, something dramatic happens, they all come together uh, as decent people to overcome the obstacle, and then Otis messes his life up again. It's... It still feels fresh and delightful, and it's it is one of the most enjoyable watches available. Yeah, yeah, this is uh, quite a devourable show. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, every season of which I'll be sad when it's gone. I, me too. And I'll, and I said, you know, maybe we'll come back in a couple weeks when we finish. But I'll be shocked if this show makes it through the next week for me. Mm. Speaking of things, can we detour and talk about something that I, we have, you and I have not discussed at all? Sure. Uh, but I'm going to guess that you have some feelings on. Are you caught up on winning time? No. Well, and, maybe and since since the cancellation was announced, I felt weird about it. I've been like holding it kind of. Um, I only watched the first couple episodes because what I do now is like rather than with the week to week shows, I'll usually like wait a few weeks and then sort of switch off weeks. You know, like I just caught up on four or five res dogs in the last few days um 
I HBO Sunday night is a different thing for me. I pretty much typically just watch those on Sunday night. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think uh, usually I did do that, but it's been a weird time in my life, and right. uh, so I, I I have been saving. I've been saving winning time. So I was um, just following along week to week. You know what I mean? Watching the yeah, show, and yep. I, you know, you obviously get to the end of the season, but then all of a sudden it's like. Yada yada yada. Pat Riley wins six NBA titles with the Lakers and the Heat. Yada yada yada. Magic Johnson wins some more titles right. and gets HIV. You know, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I heard about it. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> wait, what, what? And then, uh, you know, obviously, then I read about the cancellation. Right. Um, and it sounds like they found out just in time to like retcon the end of the show. To retcon like the final scene, basically, like, but in a way that, like, even as you're watching it without knowing any of that, it looks like they just sort of tacked this on because now it's over. Um, and it was just a a, a weird way to go out, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, uh, obviously, it's been picked through to uh, quite a bit at this point. Um, yeah, I to me, and, and I, thought. like I said, I'm behind, but uh, I did listen to Bill Simmons talk about this and. You know, without watching it, I think he's right, and it's unfortunate that what this show was trying to do, which was make like a prestige drama out of real life history while also doing a ton of basketball, <laughs> like romanticizing X's and O's at times. And yeah, they really upped the basketball this year. I, I felt yeah, <laughs> it was just a ton of basketball, and like. The crossover, the Venn diagram of people interested in a prestige drama and people interested in a ton of technical basketball stuff, I think, is not big enough to sustain a show that costs this much. I, I think, yeah. really, that's what happened. It's just simple economics. It kind of reminds me of Friday Night Lights. You know what I mean? Yeah. In, in like, that you'd have this prestige drama that was occasionally interrupted by these insane football games. You know what I mean? Um, and right. eventually, and, and like in depth. enough seasons where they've they figured out the balance, you know, yep. and, uh, and Winnie Time just kind of did well. Know. And I think the reason it didn't get more runway is because it probably costs 10 times as much as, as Friday yeah. Night Lights. You know, it's not so hard to shoot a high school football game and throw some extras into the uh, metal bleachers, it's much harder. To recreate to the 1984 Boston Garden. Yeah, or, or you know, game after game at the Great Western Forum. It's just, it's it's more. And I think you could, you could, like, see the money on this show, right? I mean, all of the scenery was so well done and, and lavish. Yeah, the, and the, All of it that wasn't chewed up by Michael Chiklis. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but like the set pieces in the bar and all this stuff like clearly cost a lot of money and and I don't think I don't think the economics of it work unfortunately. Um and I'm not yeah. sure they ever were going to. I just wish they hadn't soft pedaled how evil Larry Bird was. <laughs> really kid gloves, I thought. Oh, uh, uh, that's uh, I didn't know you hated Larry Bird. Oh god. Who doesn't hate Larry Bird? I mean other than Bill Simmons obviously. Well, I mean, first of all, anybody from like the Northeast probably doesn't hate Larry Bird. Right, if you're from the greater Boston area. But um, I don't say the Northeast because everyone from Philly and New York hates Larry Bird. Yeah. I don't know. I don't have strong feelings on Larry Bird one way or another. Plantsmen also don't hate Larry Bird, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Most of New England that's, is probably that's pretty chill. Yeah, um, New England. New England. Yeah, yeah, New England's pro. Yeah. but whatever. I don't know. I mean, he's a pretty like incredible. Like too. Basketball player. Yeah, he, no, no one's no one look, no one is not saying that he wasn't a great See, I basketball think, player. I think this is that, where our age difference hits because he's just I an am, all-time villain. Well, I am just not old enough to have experienced his villainy very personally. Oh yeah, I got so it. So to me, he's just one of the great old basketball players that I've loved watching highlights of. Yeah. You know? Like even magic. I'm just sort of checking in by the early night by you know 1990. I'm I'm I turned 10 in September 91, right? So right. like the Bulls won their first title before got, I yeah got to double Magic, digits. Right? You got the very and that was the very shouldn't say the very that sounds awful, but like obviously it wasn't the same Magic it in was, that exactly. 
right so by the time i'm actually experiencing magic and bird as as opponents they are being beaten by michael jordan (laughs) you know like i'm not they're not villains to me um i i don't like the only villain to throughout my basketball childhood really was the lead beer yeah pretty much it was those pistons it was the bad boys and it was the violence you know more than anything else because even that i don't really remember the struggles yeah with the pistons well, i remember beating the pistons right. that's part of that's right like those Celtics teams were violent you know what yes. i mean they were violent yeah no yeah. for sure but i i i don't like i do not really remember my team playing those teams i remember my team beating the older decrepit more decrepit versions of those teams and winning all the titles and i i didn't have a like i hate that guy basketball enemy until carl malone oh wow yeah and see the thing is like a lot of those celtics this is some of the lakers too obviously but a lot of those celtics right hung around in the game right i mean danny age is still in the game you know what i mean like oh yeah uh, Bird obviously coached in GM for a long time, but same for Mikhail. You know what I mean? Like I have so more animosity just, towards Bird the coach than Bird the player. Yeah. So I would just I just had that player animosity. Yeah. Uh, that didn't never, go. Never away. got a chance to Post get any career. relief. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and yeah. I, and it, it did. Uh, you know, for all its uh, fantasticalism fanaticism i don't know what you call that right but all it's the show's pretend propensity to exaggerate uh like i said play right into the stuff and like i really i mean i'm joking but i'm not joking in that larry bird could have been more evil for me yeah um, that's funny um yeah. i i yeah look we are the are the audience for this show we are that venn diagram center but i just don't think there's enough people with us to to keep it rolling yeah, clearly. I mean, I shouldn't say clearly because I, I you know, I, I think when they greenlit this thing, it seems like why not? Like if you know, if people will yeah. watch a movie in the Oakland days of the mid two thousands, they are right. But in the Lakers dynasty, you know what I mean. Again, I I don't want to steal from from the Simmons conversation about it, but I think that's exactly the point, right? Moneyball, as they pointed out, people left that movie thinking like Scott Hatterberg just walked his way into the playoffs and like not knowing the name Miguel Tejada basically. Right. Right. So like, and, and I don't say that to make the point about distorting what really happened. Cause certainly this show did that. I say that to make the point that it barely focused on baseball, almost everything. And maybe that would have been, the way to to sustain this show is to have it be n- instead of 50-50 bus and basketball to to simplify it if it was 80-20 you know yeah. it was boardroom well, I- and it was genie and it was Gabby Hoffman and the story of why Jerry Buss deserved this sort of uh legend treatment instead of like split so evenly between that and the technicalities of the basketball team. And, the, um, you know, again, this is another thing Simmons said that I think made sense to me. Like that there are, there are too many main characters. This mm. show never chose Elaine. Is it a show about magic or Kareem or Jerry West or Jerry yeah, Buss I mean, or Jeannie Buss? I don't Buss? know that I totally buy buy that because, like I said, I you know to me Friday Night Lights is a comp, and I you could say, well, is Friday Night Lights a show about Coach Taylor or about his wife or about their daughter or about yeah, the, but the they're, about the you know you Michael can isolate at Tim any Riggins? it does it does it does that and and it shifts, but at any given moment in Friday Night Lights, I think you can pretty clearly say like these are the two main characters. And it's almost always Coach Taylor, and then the other, you know, central focus shifts from uh, Matt Saracen to you know Smash to uh, Vince and so on and so forth. I, I want to go back and watch Friday Night Lights now. Um, <laughs> you know, I also wonder too um, if basketball seems like a sport that's just maybe a little less interested in its history uh, than baseball is. You know. 
I don't know. Like I, I feel like the modern NBA fan sort of thinks basketball started with Kobe and LeBron, <laughs> and like, and then they're like, oh, and there's like the, you know, their George Mikan is the last dance almost. You know what I mean? Uh, I suppose so, but uh, like that's four times. I think that drama is overrepresented in that it exists in like baseball is the exception, not basketball. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. How many football fans know anything about Johnny Unitas? You know, like I, I don't, I don't think anybody cares. I think modern football fans are the same as modern basketball fans. I think modern music fans are the same as modern basketball fans. I think modern TV and movie fans, largely, you know what I'm saying. So, yeah, I, that's the Soccer nature. Might be an exception to that. But uh, but I think you're right. It's that that the norm is uh, well. But even soccer, like, like I don't feel like the TikTok generation cares about Pele. I don't know, man. Like like you know, Kobe's because he just died right not that long ago. Right, and there were a bunch like, of documentaries. I don't. I don't. Is another one, right? Like, and those documentaries come out, and people watch those. You know what I mean? But both of those guys died recently, right? Right. So, like, I think those guys were in the news and all that stuff came up. I don't think either of them were. I mean, I think if you go to Europe and you say, who is Johan Cruyff? But that's different. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the American fan experience, right? Like, that. I mean, that's what the NBA fan is. Yeah, I guess. I guess. I mean, well, that's what it was. I think now the NBA NBA fandom is pretty international as well. But, um but yes, I, you're you're right. I'm, uh, that's the not. It's not talking about. That it matters. Yeah, the people you're talking about as it relates to basketball, and like I, I would, I, I think those even those soccer documentaries you're talking about, um, kind of make the point that even if people are not broadly, you know, diehard history buffs within these genres, that, that you can still make content that draws them in. And I kind of think yeah. basketball fans, you know, were the audience for this in some ways. It's just the the, the issue to me is not that they're not interested in history. It's, it's that they're not broadly interested in this type of show. Yeah, well, that, that much is cl- clearly some evidence in the book on that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. All right. Um, Real quick, we should get to uh, a million miles away. Um, yeah, I thought lovely performance from Michael Payne here. Um, uh, uh, and- this is just this this one goes straight for the heartstrings, man. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> I, I like it. Got me. I I. I had moments of tears literally pouring down my face watching this film. I don't know what else to say about it. Like, there are some things you can't believe, you know? There are some things that (laughs) if it hadn't happened, you'd be like, literally get the fuck out of here. Um, So many little, like, I'm struggling to to place any of them. I did not take enough notes in this. I was too busy sobbing. <laughs> but there were like almost like real life callbacks that that would happen. Like the oh god, golly, when when she puts him on the phone with his kid right after she gives birth. I don't know. There are so many moments in this movie. It really was a heartwarming story. Um, Makes you wonder how many more of these underdog stories are out there that we just, you know, just didn't know about, you know? Right. Right. Well, I think part of the thing is like so many of the underdog stories in American history involve minorities and we weren't letting them make the movies until the last like five years. (laughs) Uh, And when I say we, I don't mean you and I, um, But thank God, because we, you know, we're in a time where we're constantly talking about a, a desire for content that is not recycled IP. And like, we do seem to be finding a decent number of these sorts of underdog stories that are like, this is not 
you know, the phantom thread, but goddamn it, it makes you have feelings and it leaves you feeling great. So, uh, thumbs up. Yeah. Yeah. An easy thumbs up. I, I wonder where this was intended to be. Like, was this always supposed to go to Amazon? Was it intended to be in theaters? Yeah. It's a great um, question. And yeah. like, it is the sort of movie that I don't know that it needs to be in theaters. Um, I don't know that I would have enjoyed it anymore on a big screen. Like I, I almost feel like the streaming sort of business model is perfect for movies like this. Like this is, you know, just like you want to have some feelings throw on a million miles away and uh, it's two hours well spent. Yeah, you know, this is, sounds like a shot at Amazon, and I really don't mean it that way, but I almost wish this was on Netflix because I feel like more people have seen it, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I shouldn't say would have because it literally just came out, so right. there's time for people to catch it, but I don't know that it's blowing up, you know, records. No, nothing we'll ever know, which is part of why there's a strike right now. So Yeah, and by the way, the the, the charm of Michael Pena yep. is incredible. He is effervescent. Uh, I did notice it getting some love during Thursday Night Football, so that, I feel like it's a good sign. <laughs> yeah, look, he's he, he's a pretty remarkable actor. I think um, he has a very specific charm, and it's it's almost overwhelming. Yeah. Uh, what did you think about the gold? Uh, kind of the opposite. Of a million miles away, other than it's it is also, <laughs> it's also based on a true story, but it is like a million miles away is pretty straightforward and heartwarming and emotional and happy in the end. Uh, the gold is a is a I mean, I am vexed and perplexed after two episodes. I don't know about you. I also uh, watched episodes. Yeah. Well, I think that's all there was so far. Some of it oh, is. Okay. Well, maybe like a another one came out yesterday or today. Look, I, I'll be totally honest. Some some of the, the some of it is the accents don't help in terms of following what the hell is going on. Subtitles um, definitely recommend subtitles. Yeah, I think we I may need to turn on the subtitles, but but also just like it's a maze of of some very British cultural stuff and. And legal stuff. Uh, and it's... I mean, it's just straight up confusing. But it's also undeniably a fascinating real-world story. And just... I don't think it's spoiling too much to say, you know, the, the basis of the story, which is a, a group of robbers robbed a Brinks facility where they thought they were just going to take a bunch of cash worth somewhere in the neighborhood of two or three million pounds and instead ended up with 26 million pounds of gold bars, like straight up pure gold, gold bullion. bars. Yeah. And just the thought experiment of what the, f what do you do if you're the criminal in that situation is fascinating. So I'm intrigued and certainly not going to stop watching it but I am confused. Yeah, it's not. Uh, it, it, I wouldn't say it's the easiest to follow, but no. I would also, you know, it it, it is uh, it is intriguing and very and dramatic, I man. I don't know if this is a British thing, but it does seem like the characters are really aware of who they are in society and where they are on the rungs. Of right. Well, that's that, that's kind of what that I'm really saying. Animates them, yeah. Class is a huge thing here, and it, it you know like that granular exploration of British class, while interesting, is not something that I understand. Right. I mean, I you know, I I, I mean, it's yeah, I get it. I get it in the way common. like I get sexism, right? But like, right. I don't, I don't intimately understand it. Gotcha. Yeah. No, that's that's fair. And maybe, maybe, maybe we will by the end of this. Who knows? Yeah, but but just there's a all I'm saying is there's a level at which, as Americans, like we have no real context for an understanding of how British class works because it really is a big deal there. Clearly, 
<laughs> like that, yeah. and more than anything, I think that's the core of uh, like what the show's about thematically is class. Yeah, I think it works like it works here, except you just there's just no movement. No one ever changes classes there, um, which is kind of how we're getting I here. Yes, anyway. but it has a much, it has a history with a much more defined version of classism, you know. And like, like there are still gentlemen farmers in England, right? Where like your job is you're just a landowner, and effectively you're technically, I guess, you're a farmer, but like, you're probably not doing any farming. Yeah, like that. That's still a thing. Like landowner is still like a designation in the UK in a way that I don't think it ever was here. Um, there's there are still like emotionally the vestiges of a feudal system, basically. So I just don't I don't think like I'm saying I it's not that it's not interesting or like that I can't try to graft my experience onto what that might be but like we have no emotional context for that history. Yeah, fair enough. Um which again does not make the show less interesting but it does make it a little trickier to digest. To to relate to. Yeah. I mean it's extremely British. You got to like watch it's a British. It's so British. <laughs> it's yeah. very British. No doubt. No doubt. Um. All right, let's jump back into something that's uh, very American. Uh, the challenge USA is it the most American? <laughs> I mean, the challenge in and of itself is a pretty American pursuit, but the challenge colon USA might be the I, most American thing I've ever watched. It's pretty American, and, and even though it's not, it doesn't actually take place in America. No, um, rarely, rarely, if ever. But yeah, I mean, it does feel like the challenge has been getting more global generally, and I'm not just talking okay. about like the yeah. world tournament, right? Like the actual flagship show mm -hmm. um and this one is boy it is pretty like it's just american it's very american yep uh, what did you think of uh this week's episode and uh obviously we lost we lost a legend this week man you know yeah um well it was bittersweet for me because of that i mean i think this is this uh, if it is indeed wes's last appearance on the show this could re this is essentially a historic episode. Um, I feel a little weird about that event happening on the Challenge USA with, you know, of the 14 people, or I guess 12 people standing, or maybe 10 people standing on the stage when he was eliminated. Like, more than half of them are effectively strangers to him. Yeah, and like one of the last, like last West moments of getting on the show is like Cassidy side eyeing him as she's like pretending to be sad that he's gone. You know what I mean? Right. Right. I'm like, why do I care about what Cassidy thinks in this moment? This is a yeah, damn exactly. Cassidy, I've been watching for twenty years. Cassidy is a non-issue here. The yeah. Cassidy is not is not the issue here, dude. Um, <laughs> so that that was weird. Um, and. Like, I don't, I think you might see him again at All Stars, by the way. But yeah. I, I think he's done with uh, main show competition. Well, yeah, but I, I mean, I also identify uh, with the perspective of you know uh, changing priorities in fatherhood. Um, so who knows? You may be right. He may be telling the truth. Um, we'll see in the long run. What, right, but, but but right, changing priorities and perspective and fatherhood plays into that all stars thing because you can do it in two weeks. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's um, that's that's true. It does seem to, at least so far historically, be a shorter show. But it's definitely way, more parent friendly show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> that's very clear. Um, what did that, you think of Josh's decision? To that's what I was going to say. It, like all of that being said, I, I don't understand why. This happened because, I mean, look, he could have, Josh could have not voted and West still could have gotten unlucky. Um, but this seems like Josh pulling a classic Josh when I thought he was kind of done with the bad version of that, of like creating a an opposition where there didn't need to be one. Like, like, first of all, if you were really concerned about the final, 
Wes would be third on the list of people that I would be putting in there, right? Right. That's my question is uh, the stated logic of I don't think I can beat Wes in a final. Um, now, now is my time to turn. It's like it, I, 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 okay, I can get that. But my question would be, but you think you can beat Bananas in a final or Fessy, who is outright dominated? Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna put Fessy to the side because I just don't, I just don't see him doing that to Fessy in any. Well, and he and he won, so I mean, he wasn't available. Right, this it, it wouldn't even a, wasn't even a possibility. Right, right. fair enough. I forgot but, about that. So, but Bananas certainly. Yeah, I I love Wes. He might be my favorite challenger of all time. But right now, there's no question that Bananas is more of a threat. We just saw it in the daily challenge. But Bananas said it in an ITM. Josh isn't going to do that to me. So and I think he's right because. So, again, that's why I say Josh kind of pulled a classic old school Josh in that the reason fundamentally he threw Wes in is that in his brain, he reactivated an old rivalry that never existed in the first place. Yeah, and, and he I was also, like, Wes is my enemy. Wes has always been a rival of mine, and it's like, no, as Wes has always said, he was never a rival of yours. He does not think about you. This is silly. Yep, good burn, good burn on his way out from Wes. Uh, um, the burn of the week, though, was a burn of Wes. Oh, all right, and what it was a got? classic TJ burn um, when Josh jumped and missed the baton in the daily challenge, which by the way, another awesome daily challenge. I thought, um, TJ said, Josh, what happened? You and Wes been hanging out. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that was pretty good. I don't know. I don't know if in my mind that beats, he wants to be a real channel challenger. Like Pinocchio wants to be a real boy. That was very good. I also have TJ saying to Josh, uh, to, to, uh, to Chris, though, at the end, boy, man, like they keep setting them up. You keep knocking them down. You even send them into retirement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. That was a good one. Oh. <laughs> and you know what? I think that's part of the takeaway of this week, too. Uh, well, I, I wish we had a slideshow to honor Wes, but I don't know what more we can say about one of the greatest challengers of all time. I mean, a, yeah. a you know, potential Mount Rushmore guy. Um, but Chris, I, I, I think we got to put some respect on his name. I think we do too. Despite the, uh, the teary pregame performance, there were um, some tears there. There has been some social and political floundering in this game, but when you show up in what, three out of four, three out of five eliminations and you are the guy left standing and by the way, all different types of eliminations, some more physical than others. He's he's a threat. And, he, yeah. and he's big. You don't necessarily yeah. realize all the time until people are standing next to each other in the dirt, but he was bigger than Wes. Well, certainly when uh, when he talks about, you know, when you see him with his Wofford football uniform, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah, this, this guy played college football for a minute. You know what I mean? Like, right. He's a big know, dude. I'm not, not very successfully, I'm guessing, but you know, close enough, right? So, yes, um, you know, yeah, he's 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 a physical presence, and I guess and I'm gonna say this begrudgingly. I guess you gotta you gotta do the same for Cassidy because they've been coming yeah. for her a couple times, and she's stood in there and fought. And I think she was at a real physical, oddly enough, a real physical disadvantage in this elimination, and and overcome it. With, she was definitely with scrappiness, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely did not have the reach advantage, which is the thing you would have most wanted. Although I'm not sure it would have mattered with Wes, like just strategically when he swung out and Chris bear hugged him, it was over. Well, um, Chris bananas that in that he just had a better strategy technique than I think um, than anybody else who did it, which was the the leg wrap, right? Well, I think he only had the opportunity to do that because of the way Wes was swinging, though, right? Yeah. He was able to like position himself for the for the for the grab and i think if he if wes had stayed attached and just continued to move away from him it becomes more of that hand fighting battle that all sure. the other but you get hands and legs it's over right he's just gonna he's you once get you you're wrap not your legs that, yeah yeah well if you have the time once you wrap your legs around him it's only a matter of time till you tear off all the patches because wes couldn't get out of there he was stuck right. um 
so yeah, I think you know if one of the girls had thought of that, that would have worked for anybody. Uh, same same as if Wes had thought of it, but I don't know that anyone had the opportunity when they were attached, you know, holding on to the apparatus. Um, but again, just the fact that we can have this strategic conversation about a pretty cool physical elimination is awesome. I love, I I love the what the game makers have done throughout this season and the the. The leaping, like, look, it's a pretty straightforward jump for the baton challenge, but that looked like cold-ass water. You had to go in and out over and over again. And by the time, like, if if you made it the whole way, those batons that Fessy and Bananas jumped for were way the hell out there, man. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Bananas kind of pointed this out, but, like, you basically never see anyone completely lose their shit in fear and then somehow come back to win the challenge. Like that. Very true. That just doesn't happen on those heights. No. I think we have seen we have seen Desi and Michaela now show physically over the last few challenges. Even if Desi's not winning, like when you see her go to work, like I get the respect they're given in terms of likely challenge winners. The one person who still has not really shown us anything other than flailing failure but continues to get respect is chanel and yeah the, the i got i got a bone to pick with chanel like for her to be talking trash at the end of that about come from me i'm like why don't you show me one thing yeah she's right you haven't been down to the sand you haven't done shit in the challenges you're coasting along uh in this strong girl alliance and nobody knows if you're a strong girl or not and, and i kind of note i wrote like do you remember the thing that she said that was like, this is why I'm going to be great physically. Do you remember what she talked about? No. She, she was talking about, yes. Yeah. Yes. Her cred as a hooper is in the fucking gutter, man. Like <laughs> she can't jump. She can't like, like all the things she has no apparent like hand-eye coordination. She cannot jump her sort of like she does. She does not seem well coordinated you know like i do yeah. not she yeah i don't i'm not feeling it with chanel and i think she as much as anyone has lucked into a situation where maybe just because of her build physically people are respecting her as a competitor when she's shown us nothing um the flip side of that is michelle at this point she would tell you i think has got to be the physically the weakest woman remaining in the game and she continues to just slide by. And yeah, all her yeah. ITMs are just kind of looking to both sides and smiling like, I guess they're not coming for me. <laughs> it's, it's you know. She finally got a vote this week. One. She got one vote. Yeah, one vote. but like, yeah, it's pretty incredible the job she's done. And and that leads me to my, you know, other than, again, I, I wish we could have a entire memorial tribute to Wes's career. Um Fessy, like if we were still doing, and I don't think it necessarily applies, but if we were doing a like who controls this game, to me, Fessy and Tori are pretty indisputably running away with the male and female competitions, respectively. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, if you're asking me who are the people to beat, you know, right now, I think it's those two. It's not just that. Game. I mean, I think that Stronghold Alliance has a lot of, still has a lot of pull in this game. Like, I think Michaela, weirdly enough, um, I kind of hate the way that she plays. Um, but you got to respect the results. And it seems like, you know, like she's kept her people safe and yeah. other people when she's needed to. You're right. It, 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 the game control doesn't really apply. But, like, yeah. I would put, I would overwhelmingly put money on Tori to win and pretty heavily on Fessy, although, you know, you got to respect bananas, but the physical edge at this point for Fessy over a 40, whatever year old bananas is pretty dramatic. Um, even if bananas is physically totally up with everybody else there, uh, Fessy's on another level, man. And, and yeah. I think he deserves credit for playing by far the cleanest game of his career. And for like, really, this season is the Fessy that you've been warning us about for like four seasons. 
Uh huh. <laughs> this is the guy. Yeah. If he just yeah. cleans it up, he's gonna be tough to stop. And he has fully cleaned it up. Like even if he had made a little bit of progress over the seasons, like the jump from his last appearance to this is remarkable in terms of his political and social game. It's a, it's a classic CT like season to me. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, where he's he's got friends, but he's mostly laying low. And like you, if you think about it, it's like. Good Lord, why isn't anyone going after that guy? He's going to kill them all. But you don't think about it that often because of the way he has sort of played the background and and not like worked to not offend anyone or get in between anything. Yeah, even making a deal up on that platform. Yep. To, you know, in this episode, where like I don't think anybody anybody noticed or got any flack for it. Nope. You know what I mean? Just a real uh -oh. quiet. I got you. You got me. Deal with bananas. That that you know benefits them both and also in the past was the sort of thing that fessy would might have been like nah man i'm gonna win like oh go go screw um yeah so and, and i think you know i think he wanted to destroy bananas in the past you know what i mean and i think this time he's, he's a little bit more like it's, it's it's least resistance and i'll just have to beat him in the final you know what i mean yep and i do wonder if some of that is just like a security as a character on the show you know yeah. i think so often people come on in their first couple seasons and feel like they have to make an impact beyond competition well and i think for and it might be true of his physical stature i think he was just i think he thought he was going to come into this game and just dominate from the beginning right and in some ways he has right like i mean he's obviously been a very successful player this whole time but no but he certainly showed more than up, that to win you know what i mean right. i think he showed up not understanding the complete sort of <laughs> i the uh, shame on me but the complete challenge that the challenge is it's not just you know as much as it is America's third greatest sport, it's not just a sport. Yep. And if you can't navigate the less uh, meritocratic aspects of it, <laughs> you're you're not likely to win a, a final. It's got its own culture, and yep. you got to know that culture. Yeah. Uh, I also, real quick, just want to shout out the person or persons who is maintaining the uh, Wikipedia page this season. Oh, really? Because the level of detail, oh, I love that, here is astounding. They well, have. I have so many thoughts. Every challenge. They have every vote. Like you want to know who voted for who in the hopper every time. It is right. all there. Right. Every result. Every you know. Um, I. Which reminds I me, have, of clearly looming in the elimination we have not seen yet. Right. Very exciting, and that's why I, I, I thought it was, uh, it was savvy and. Was it a? It was either Alyssa, Alyssa or yes, yeah, who was like, "I am really glad this wasn't a hall brawl because it's definitely coming." Yeah, oh yeah, and Probably I wouldn't be shocked the if it would be my guess. Yes, and I would not be shocked if it is also a double. Like so, right now, I believe we're down to twelve players. Um, so I think the question is, do we have one more week of eliminations and they enter the final with five guys, five women, and and eliminate? one or two of each within the final or do we have two more weeks uh or perhaps a double elimination again i i think there's a lot of ways this could go i'm excited well i can't you know i can't state the veracity of the wikipedia page um because it is wikipedia but per the wikipedia page there are four more episodes left in the season the finale is october 19th so okay, but it could be a two um, episode. Could be a two episode final or one. Right. Um, I'm gonna guess two, yeah. which I think means that you have uh, this coming weekend and the week after would be the week before the final. Right. Well, and that tracks because that leads us up to the premiere of the flagship season in October. Yeah. Yeah. Challenge you around, baby. Let's Can't do wait. it. <laughs> um. Yeah. It's gonna be a good season. Good season. This this one coming up on the main one too. So yeah, and you know what? I think right now, I it, uh, West being eliminated hurts my heart. But this has been a really, really good season of the Challenge USA. I feel like significantly better and more challenge like than the first season, um, and not just because of the presence of all the veterans. I agree. I agree, but the veterans do help a lot. They definitely help. They definitely help. <laughs> Let's be real. A lot. A lot. Um, all right. We are running out of time, so let's, uh, let's do some homework and get out of here. Yes, let's. 
Um, what are we doing? <laughs> uh, you know, I was looking up the. They have the ratings on this Wikipedia page for the challenge. Um, are they good? Like 1.6, 1.7 million people per episode. It's not bad. So roughly eight winning times. <laughs> Give me an idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that probably says as much about winning time as it does the challenge. But yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's pretty and, good. You know, network TV too helps a little bit. Yeah. Um, um, okay. So uh, still up. That's what, that's one of the things we're doing. Still for up is one of the things. That's um, on Apple Plus. That is on Apple TV Plus. It's a British rom com thing. Uh, May have seen the promoting it a little bit. Yep. We've you want to talk about Bottoms? Two movies, that's right. Bottoms is one of them. Bottoms, uh, the Rachel Sennett and A.O. Adibri, uh came out in theaters a month or two ago and is uh, coming to VOD. Well, it's there now. It just came uh, to VOD. Uh, and then the other movie was something you suggested that I can't Cassandra. remember. That's that's the name of it. It's on Amazon Prime. Uh, and it is about a wrestler played by Kel Garcia Bernal, who is just from that sentence, you can probably guess somewhat of a non-traditional wrestler, um, yeah. finding himself in the macho world of Lucha Libre. So, um, we will, uh, check that out. It's getting very good reviews. So excellent. Uh, those plus one more challenge. That's your homework for the week. All right. I'll talk to you next week. Bye. This game's in the Admiral refrigerator. The door is closed. The light's out. Butter's getting hard. The eggs are cooling, and the jello is jiggling. So long, everybody. And do me a favor. Have yourself a tremendous evening.